Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you guys doing today? How are you doing today? I, that's the energy I want. Woo! <laughs> For those who don't know me, my name is Noel Barbie. I'm the life group pastor here at Freedom Church. And let me be one of the very first people to wish you a very Merry Christmas. We, we, Merry Christmas. Here at Freedom Church, we're not bashful about celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. We have decorations. We have an awesome toy drive. Don't forget about that. It's December 2nd, and we're ready to celebrate. Um, for those who might not know, our lead pastor, Benito, is all the way across the world in Africa right now. I was just talking to Jennifer. He's literally loading a plane to leave South Africa to go to Ethiopia. He'll be there for a couple of days, and he's going to go to Kenya. And what Pastor Benito is doing in Africa, he's leading, he's educating pastors um, in Africa how to effectively plant churches in their local um, communities. And I'm just so glad. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that we have a pastor that practice what he preached. And, and as a church, we continue to pray that God use him in a mighty way. And um, Pastor Benito, he, he's probably in the air, so he won't be listening to Facebook Live, but he probably listened to this podcast. And Pastor Benito, you have to know that this church loves you. We, we honor you as our pastor, and we pray for your safe return home. Today, we're starting a brand new series, Dysfunction Junction, and it's about three-week series a three-week series on focusing on biblical ways to deal with jack-up families. <laughs> how to deal with family conflicts, how to deal with issues, how to mend relationships. And let me, since we're talking about Christmas a little bit, let me um, share with you my best Christmas ever as a kid. Um, I'm saying my age a little bit, but the Christmas of 88, 89, or 90, my, I forget which one because I'm getting old, right? But um, some of you are like, no, you're not. And some of them, you guys are like, yeah, you're getting mad old, right, guys? <laughs> but my brother and I received this gift. Ooh, the original Nintendo system. Oh my, we didn't have a lot of money in the family, so this is a huge deal for us. My brother and I, it's like, man, could it be? We opened the box and we opened the box. We're like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> there is a God. And we're opening the box. My dad's like, stop. We give you two rules before you play. First rule. You cannot play Nintendo during the school night. It's not a school night. It's Christmas. We're good, Dad. Two, you have to finish your chores, meaning clean up all this gift wrapping papers. You cannot play Nintendo unless your chores are clean. Yeah, Dad, whatever. So we plugged it up. A year, two years later, we're like, uh, uh, playing all the time. And we got in trouble so much for playing without doing our chores. And one day, my dad came home. I'll never forget. We talk about our family all the time. My dad came home on spring break. And we were playing, but our house was a mess. He came home. My dad lost it. <laughs> he absolutely lost it. We were playing. We are on, like, Super Mario Brothers 2, last level. I'll never forget this. This is why it's so intense. <laughs> level 20, my brother, I'm like, you're Luigi. I'm Mario. Let's do it. And he took the controllers. He ripped it out of the system while I was still playing. The last level, we we're being the bad guy. He ripped the controllers out of our hands. He looked at us. He uh, round up the co controllers. There was no wireless back then, right? He wound up the controllers, right? He opened up the pat 
um, the, the patio door, and he chucked the controllers as far as he could outside of our backyards, past the backyard fence to the um, deep abyss woods of Anchorage, Alaska, on five feet snow. You would have thought my brother and I mothers died. I remember literally consoling my brother. Oh, my God, Dad, you're evil. You're evil. And at that moment, in that very moment, I promised to myself, I will never, ever, ever do that to my kids. Ever. I have an 8-year-old and 10-year-old son. 29 years later, they played this game. We're raising a whole bunch of addicts. If you have a boy between 7 and 17, they play this game. Right, guys? Look at you. Look at you. Look, look at you. No? No? Yeah. Have you played the game before? Yeah. But you played it before. That's the point. This game is so popular, it makes $300 million, million a month. Forbes.com evaluate this game as $8.3 billion. One game. 200 million players play this game. And one day, I came home. I gave my son the, very, the same two rules my dad did because I don't know how to be a dad, so I just follow my dad's lead, right? I guess, yeah. Do your chores, and you can't play on the school at night. And Elijah, my eight-year-old son, is literally playing Fortnite while cleaning the kitchen. Uh, I'm like, what are you doing? And I ripped out. I'm like, no, Fortnite for you. And I yelled to Jeremiah, no, Fortnite for you too. He wasn't even in trouble. I was like, no, Fortnite. And I sensed this power came over me. And I was like, man, I broke my promise, but I feel so good. I became my dad. <laughs> right? And, and, and the reason I say this is because we, it's funny how we deal with family conflicts um, from generation to generation. Another family conflict I had really quickly, I'm a kid of the 80s and 90s, and like most kids in the 80s and 90s, we were only raised with one television in the house. And my dad dominated remote control. For 12 straight years, every single day of my life, I watched the nightly NBC News with Tom Brokaw <laughs> and Star Trek The Next Generation reruns. I'm like, Dad, you're such a Trekkie, man. You're a nerd. You can listen. To you. Uh, <laughs> never mind. But my, 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 favorite, my favorite television character is Jean-Luc Picard. He's awesome. But, you know, there's some shows that, you know, we watch as a family that I really enjoyed. Who's a fan of French Prince of Bel-Air? My, my wife is not here, but she will tell you she has a crush on Will Smith. Oh, she loves Will Smith. I like Will Smith too, man. He's one of my favorite actors. But there's a, a particular scene I want to show you um, that a lot of people think, and I, including myself, turned Will Smith from a rapper turned TV actor to an international A-list movie superstar with this scene alone. Watch this um, famous scene on, on The Family Conflict. I want to cry every time I see that scene. For many of us, this is home. It brings painful memories, the neglect of a parent. You see, Freedom Church, family conflicts come in many different shapes and sizes. Family conflicts um, can be very complicated. They're a part of every relationship, every family. The only thing we have in common as a family is conflict. You know, some of you have conflict today just even going to church. You couldn't wait to check your kids in that kid's church. <laughs> you needed a break. Some of you in this very room hasn't talked to a close family member in weeks, if not years, because of unresolved conflict. 
even though there are many versions and people and approaches to conflict, we're going to look at what the Word of God has to say about handling family conflict. The title of my message is a very creative one. I'm proud of it. I'm not a creative person. You guys ready for the title of my message? No? Maybe? Yes? Okay. The title is creative. It's called How to Handle Family Conflict. It's great. came up all by myself. Hey, the Bible teaches that there's only one source of conflict. Long before psychology, long before podcasts and classes, James, the brother of Jesus, gave us some profound insights on the cause of conflict. He plainly shows us in this letter where the source of all the conflict we face. Let's pray before we receive this word today. Father God, we come to you as humbly as we know how, just to thank you for all of your blessings, Lord God. Lord God, we ask you that you protect our pastor as he's on a mission for you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, remove me and put yourself here to proclaim your word, not my word, but your word to your people, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that everybody in this room has fertile ears to receive the word, but not only to receive the word, not only to hear the word, Lord Jesus, but to actually do the words. Lord God, we thank you and we honor you and we praise you. Amen. You guys have your Bibles? If not, that's okay. We're going to read out of James chapter 4, the first three verses, 1 through 3. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, it's on your notes. It's on the screen behind me. We're reading from the New Living Translation. I like this translation of this particular um, subject because we could really drive it home. What is, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't even ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You, only, you want only what will give you pleasures. You know, before we break down this text, you have to know that James is a very direct dude. I mean, I would be direct if, if my brother was Jesus Christ. You know, he had to have been straight, man. He had to be on point. And there's no doubt that Jesus had impact on James' life. You know, most scholars believe and most professors believe that James, the book of James is a how-to um, how book on Christian living. And James asked the first question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Yeah, I'm telling you, James gets to, directly to the point. He sounds like a dad. I'm a dad of four kids, and I get James' pain when he's, when he's speaking to this church in Jerusalem. He's saying, like I say every day to my kids, kids, why are you fighting all the time? <laughs> you guys are never getting along. Just the other weekend, you know, football season's over, soccer season is over, and Stacy and I had a grand idea. We're going to sleep until 9 in the morning. Ooh, we're so pumped. It's been months. We're going to sleep in. So we went to bed. We're like, oh, we're going to sleep in. It was this nice, cool night. It's like 50 degrees, perfect, just like last night. Like, yeah. And the, the morning of, we hear the kids arguing. And Josiah busts over, Mom, Dad. We woke up. Stacy and I looked at each other, and I'm like, baby, it's not 9 in the morning. <laughs> and she's like, you handle it. And she put her in. <laughs> I'm like, Josiah. Why and you on your why you and your sister is fighting? And this classic answer, my three-year-old Josiah, because she pushed me. Automatically start blaming. But don't we all do that? When it comes to our conflicts, we're always pointing at um, pointing and blaming at other people. 
we're always going into blaming mode, right? Some reasons why our family fights so much is because we play the blaming game. For example, my husband never helps clean up the house. That's why my house is always messy. My wife spends all the money. That's why we can't pay our bills on time, right? My kids don't even have good teachers this year. That's why my kids didn't make the honor roll and their grades suck. My, true, my, my children don't bring my grandkids around often. They never bring my grandkids around often. That's why I have a horrible relationship with my grandkids. They're insensitive. My parents don't understand. We go on and on. Here's the truth that you have to understand. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. Meditate on that. Well, I'll take a sip. Every time you blame someone else, you take your happiness and hand it to another person you're in conflict with, Freedom Church. What we say is, I can't be happy unless you allow me to be happy. The reason some of you are unhappy right now is because you're blaming someone of something. And if they can act differently, you think to yourself, you will get your happiness back. We, when we blame, we give away our happiness. Creation verse 1, James holds no punches. He goes right to it. What causing the quarrels and fights among you? Though they come from the evil desires at war with you? Just like a dad, James, this is classic dad move by James, right? James asks you a question. Did he answer his own question with a question of his own? You know, he was very skilled at asking questions that drove the heart to the situation. Translate, let's go back to our scenario. Josiah, Josiah, why are you fighting with your sister? Is it because you went to her room again without your, her permission? Josiah's like, yes, yes. When my wants conflict with your wants, we learned that my desires cause conflicts. James is saying that my desires are the source to all of my conflicts. You guys need to say it with me. Repeat after me. All right, let's say it together. One, two, three. My desires are the source to all of my conflicts. Once you learn that, you're like 80% there. But we still have a 20% more to go. So what do we desire that caused conflict in the first place? James, glad you asked. He continues to verse 2. You want what you don't have. It's the desire to have what I want. Every time you have a conflict with someone, it's because there is something that you want from them that you're not getting. So you scheme and kill to get it. James is writing here to converted Jews. He's writing to believers like us. These are believers of Jesus Christ, right? And he's using a hyperbole, which is an exaggeration, to make his point. Sometimes there's something you want so badly that you scheme and you kill to get it. Glad my wife is not here. She heard it first service. I think she gave me a little bad look. But let me be transparent with you. Last week at work, we're trying to watch our money and budget, but my colleague brought Chick-fil-A in, and he was just grubbing in front of me. I'm like, oh, man, I want it so bad now. And, but I couldn't get it because it was, the Chick-fil-A is six miles away on campus. I, I, I work at East Austin, and it's on campus, the nearest Chick-fil-A. I know where all the Chick-fil-A's are at. Okay. I, know, I know them all. I have the app and everything. I was like, man. I, but I couldn't get it, man. I had meetings, and so I start scheming, y'all. I'm like, yo, bro, can you cover this meeting for me? I start rescheduling meetings. I'm starting, like, you know, because I had it in my head. I'm, mm, I was driving to Chick-fil-A. Oh, they won't know. I'm going to get a number one with sriracha sauce. I pull up to the drive-thru. How may I help you, sir? My pleasure. I'm like, yes, the Chick-fil-A gods. Yes, yes, got my number one. It was so juicy. I got it. Then my fries were ice cold, and that, that was the end of that. 
But I, I say that because every time we want something we don't have, you scheme and kill to get it. Not every time, but most of the time, if you want something so bad, you do, you'll make excuses. You, you, you'll, you'll scheme, you'll plan to get what you want. This is so relevant to, the family, to, to family conflict. There is something you want so badly that you're willing to hurt the people you care about the most. So many of us kill our relationships with our families because they don't do what we want them to do. Here's the next point. Conflicting desires kill relationships. Parents kill relationships with their kids because they don't do what their parents want to do. Some of you guys left home because you couldn't stand being around your parents. If I would interview your parents, if I would interview your parents, the parents would be like, it's your fault. If I interview the kids, the kids would be like, it's the parents' fault. The bottom line that your parents want you to do a certain thing, act a certain way, choose a certain career, but you didn't. And you want your parents to love you a certain way, talk to you a certain way, but they didn't. So you left, and now there's conflict because you want something you don't have. So what other desires we have that causes conflict? James, James is glad you ask again. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you want it, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. We have the desire not only to get what we want, but we have the desire of me, the desire of self-gratification. We care about our needs and desires over everything else within church. In this verse, James mentioned the most common problem with our prayer life. One, you don't even ask God. You don't even come to him to ask anything. How can he help you? You don't even ask. Number two, when you do ask, you ask for the wrong things. And number three, if you had a chance to get it right and you ask for the right things, you're asking for the wrong reasons. Don't get confused, Freedom Church. There is nothing wrong with wanting pleasures of life. I'm not saying that you don't want pleasure of life. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. God gave us the good gifts he wants us to enjoy. James even said this in chapter 1, verse seven, 17. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Paul says this in Timothy. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it's made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. We should be asking God for the blessings, in his, um, the blessings on his created gifts. I don't want to make you guys blush, but 100% of married couples in here wants to have a great love life. It's a gift from God. I pause because it would have been an excellent time for amen, but I get it. <laughs> I get it. But here, here's where we get into trouble. Seeking pleasures at others' expense? or expensive obeying God, is sinful. When we care more about our needs and our desires, it's called selfishness and pride. Think about all the reasons you're having conflict, and you'll find out you're just thinking about yourself and not the other person. So James teaches us our conflicts are the direct results from our desires. Our, our desires is to get what we want, what we don't have, and our desires to gratify ourselves. But Freedom Church, are you glad that you have a God that's defeated Satan? Two people that say amen. That's great. Are you glad that God defeated Satan? Amen. amen. We should be rejoicing that. Remember, James is writing to a group of believers just like us. James is saying to believers of Jesus Christ, we should not be in conflict because it's not in God's nature. 
in the few verses in chapter 4, James get real practical. This is not a really inspiring message. This is a practical application message, right? And he gives us five biblical actions that is needed to stop or prevent family conflict. You guys ready? No? Maybe? All right. Thank you. I, I just need help preaching. That's all. That's fine. Verse 6, God opposed the proud but gives grace to the humble. In this verse, James states that our desires, selfishness, and pride just don't cause conflict with people. They also cause conflict with God himself. God opposed the pride in my life. Here's the very first action to stop and prevent family conflict. It's in the text. Be humble. You know, the Latin word for humble is humus. And the, and the definition of humus is actually means ground, the dirt, ground. That's what, that's what being humble means. It means down here. And Christ, who was a true example of humility, came down to the ground and earth and skin and bones for us. He died on the cross. When we go to heaven, we're going to see Jesus in man form. We're going to see the piercing in his hands and the piercing on his side. And we'll see the ultimate humanity of Christ and all his glorification, all his magnification right there. He's humble. Christ voluntarily laid aside his divine right and privileges out of his love for his father so he could die on the cross for our sins so we can have an eternal life. And when you forfeit your right to be in beef with your family or have conflict with your family, you're humbling yourself just like Christ did. That's what Jesus wants us to do for all of our relationships. And what does God give to the humble? He gives grace. And what is grace? Grace is God's power to change. What do you want to change about your relationship, your marriage, your family? You can't change it on your own. You need God's power in grace. God doesn't give grace to people who are full of pride. They say, I could do it on my own. It's not my fault. God doesn't give grace to those people. He gives it to the one, he gives it when we come saying, God, I need your help. I'm in family conflict. It was partly my fault. Help me. This causes us to take a hard look in the mirror and own our own part on the conflict and quit blaming other people around us. It's very simple. Be humble and you will receive God's favor. Be humble and you will receive God's favor. The second action is to look to God to meet your needs. You, again, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. James says, instead of going yelling at your kids, fighting with your husband because his job doesn't pay the bills or, or, or he doesn't pick up his dirty underwear, <laughs> James says, you should go to God first. God, I want my husband to make more money. God, I want my kids to, to get better friends. God, I want my daughter to break up with her boyfriend. He's a Dallas Cowgirls fan. I, I, I tell you what, where's my daughter at? Is Ariana here? Where's Ariana? She's not here. My daughter will never date somebody who loves the Dallas Cowboys. Ever. They're full of pride. Amen. 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 They, 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 they won four games. And they're the, the Cowboy fans are the worst, man. Pastor Philip Philip Price texting me uh, on Facebook. I had to delete him. All the Pastor Benito's Cowboy friends. That's why they're all buddies. It's a click. <laughs> can't, can't, can't have my daughter marry a Dallas Cowboys fan. I won't, I won't pay for the wedding. I don't. I'm not. Mm, no. Mm. Mm. 
Sorry, that was my cowboy. Sorry, Pastor Benito, I hijacked the sermon a little bit. But be be cautious, James says, before you look to others to meet your needs, we need to pray and pour our hearts to God and say, God, is there something that I want for my family that I'm not getting? When we pray, we typically pray at, at our families. God, change them. Fix her. Fix this situation. Help them start doing what I want them to do. When we pray, we sometimes ask God to make our family do what we want them to do. In our prayers, we are looking for people to meet our needs, asking out of our selfish desires. And when we do, people often let us down. Just like Will Smith and his dad in that clip, people's going to let us down. And James says, quit going to someone who can never meet your needs. Only God can meet your deepest needs and your deepest desires. We need to look to God to meet our needs. That's what we need to run to God. And, and, and remember this promise, Freedom Church, from Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't say your riches. He didn't say your wants. He didn't say your desires, but his riches. Then James said in verse 8, come near to God, just like Pastor Jonathan said, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's an action. When, we go, when, we, when you get close to God, you realize, man, man, I'm not being that patient. I'm not being that kind because God's patient to me. I'm not being that loving to my wife. I'm not, being, um, um, I'm not thinking about my kids or my needs. Thirdly, the third point is to submit to God. Give God control of your life. Commit your life to him and his control. When, when you submit to God, this means you'll learn to say, let your will be done. Not my will. Let your will to be done, Lord. Going on to verse 7. Verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is the fourth action that needs to be taken um, to stop and prevent family conflicts is to be aware of the devil's schemes. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and good. You passed the test. The devil wants to destroy our relationships. Why? Because he loves conflict, division, and arguments. The, the good thing about the devil, not the good thing about the devil, but the good thing that God does to the devil, he only operates in the parameters that God gave him. Right? Just like Job. And that's only by lies. It's only by lies. And that's how the enemy operates with lies. He gives us little thoughts, little suggestions. When you're in the middle of an argument, you start hearing stuff like this. Man, you don't have to take this. Who do they think they are? Or he'll say to you, I can't believe your husband hasn't bought that for you, girl. You look good. You deserve that purse. How come you didn't get it? You deserve it. He should buy it for you. Or another one, I can't believe my spouse is sick again. Can you believe that? I'm always picking up the slack. I'm always cooking dinner. They have a headache? What? don't have to take that. And this is the lie that really gets me all the time. All the time. When people get on my nerves and my family gets on my nerves, the devil, this is straight from the devil, and I know it, and I try to beat it with the word and worship all the time. Let me know if, this, if the devil try to lie to you regarding this lie. If you completely shut him or her off, you don't have to deal with their mess. You're good. You don't have to deal with that. Your life would be better if you don't even have a relationship with them. Just cut the tides. Man, ignore that text. 
They're calling you five times a day. You don't have to return it. You'll get back to them later during Christmas when you talk to them once a year. When we get mad, then conflict starts. We've been there. We need to ask ourselves some tough questions before we get mad. This is really practical. This should hit your heart, Freedom Church, because it hits my heart. Remember, the schemes of the devil is to put your needs, your desires, your attitudes over others. That's, that's what the devil wants you to do. And lastly, if you want to stop the conflict in your life, learn to ask for forgiveness from God and for those who hurt you. Verse 8 says, wash your hands and purify your hearts. Our hands represent our conduct and hearts represent attitudes. James is saying it's time to clean up your act. Let there be tears for what you've done wrong. Don't be nonchalant about it. Be remorseful. Don't minimize what happened. We go over this more in depth next week when Pastor Benito gets back from, from, from Africa. We're going to read. Um, he's going to teach out Jacob and Esau, I, I believe. But we, he's going to talk more about forgiveness, more about how to mend relationships. But if somebody said that you hurt them, guess what? You hurt them. Do I have your permission to ask you a hard question from the church? I got, I got 10 yeses. So I'm going to talk to you. 10 people said yes. Who's in your family suffering because you're not getting your way? Right now, who is suffering in your family because you're not getting your way? You don't have to say it out loud. Who in your life do you have most conflict? Here's how you begin to resolve the conflict with that person. They need to apologize. They need to apologize. I don't care if it's 95% of their fault. You'll apologize for the 5%. And you let guy handle the 95%. If you need help apologizing, let me give you a simple template. There's no excuses here after your church. We're going to give you every tool in the vessel to accomplish, to handle family conflict. So if you have your own way, great. If you don't, follow this way. Repeat after me on the screen. Repeat after me. I know we had our differences. A lot of times I thought more about myself than your needs. And I'm sorry. I have no idea. I know we have our differences a lot of times. I've thought more about myself than your needs. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I'm sorry, Ken. It's my fault, bro. I didn't hold that door open for you that day. I shut it in your face. I'm sorry. You should have walked faster. I'm sorry. We, need, we just need to apologize. And once we say this phrase... In all seriousness, if we say this phrase to the ones we have conflict with, watch the walls drop. It's humbling for sure. Is this hard? Yeah. Do we want to do it? No. But remember what James says. God gives grace to the... God gives grace to the humble. 
You think it was easy for, for Jesus? I mean, it's, that's a tough decision. Do I, do I come and save these people? Do I leave my Godship to come down to skin and bones to die a death that they should have died? I'm going to leave everything. Sometimes being humble is tough, but that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Don't let your conflicts in your family go unresolved. It has detrimental consequences. You know, I had a man, I had a big roadblock, and I was texting Pastor Benito, and I was praying with some other members at the church. Man, I don't have a closing. Then this lady came to my office and gave me a perfect illustration on why we should resolve conflicts. And I'm going to share this with you. This lady I've been working with years, and met her husband, and she said that she said that. It, she was talking about her husband. She said, oh, excuse me, my ex-husband. Ex-husband? I just met him like six months ago. What do you mean ex-husband? Yeah, 26 years of marriage, we got a divorce. I'm like, I am so sorry. She's like, no, I'm not sorry. I'm happy. I'm like, you're happy? How can you be happy from, from a divorce? I'm not going to accept that. My pastor came. I'm not going to accept that. I, and I told her again, I'm so sorry. I think she wanted to break down a little bit. But she told me the conflict that they had. And there was a conflict that they didn't resolve in 12 years. It was so bad. They were actually playing their divorce for five years. We'll wait till the kids get out of school. Their, their kid is a star baseball player for a major college around the area. I won't give the college away just to protect their identity. But she's like, you know what, Noel? She's like, you know what, Noel? Ever since we got a divorce and we broke the news to our, our, our son, he doesn't even want to talk to us anymore. But it's okay, time will heal. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And she laughed. I'm like, no. No. Do not let the conflicts in your family go unresolved because it has detrimental consequences, not to yourself, but to your loved ones around you. And here's a lie I believed almost all my life, that time will heal. That's a lie from the devil himself, that time will heal. What did Pastor Benito preached about last week on patience? That we do our work. We plant the seed. We plow, we wire the grass or wire the dirt. I'm not a farmer. I mean, we, we, we don't have farms. We, we, we grow big cabbages in Alaska, okay? Huge, huge pumpkins, huge. But then we let God do the rest. When, when people say, when people say um, time will heal, that means they're not doing anything and they're just letting time heal. And, and Pastor Benito had an excellent um, illustration. If you have a check engine light on your car, and you wait three weeks, you don't do anything, it's still going to be there. You have to put in the work. Let me leave you with this quote from C.S. Lewis. We love him around Freedom Church. And this is a really practical quote. It's not even really you know, spiritual, but it's, it's common sense. It is spiritual as a sense. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. The ball is on your court. Today, this week, today, sometime this week, you need to make that call. You need to invite them to coffee. I don't know who's in your heart today. 
you take the step to resolve the source of your conflict. It's on, the ball's on your court, not their court. It's never been on their court. Why? Because after all, your desires are the sources of all of your conflicts. It begins with you in the first place. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.